This call Sounds is good. being recorded. Cool. Hello and welcome to Hello, Hello. Very special episode. We're going to meet the Data Dream Team. Can I get some name checks, Data Dream Team? Who do we have on the horn? Uh, Hi, you, have... So... you have Will okay. Pang here. That's my first uh, error. Sorry, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, please speak immediately all at the same time, but also know what order. Uh, lack of coordination in the Amal version of the Data Dream Team. Okay, very sorry. First up, um, let's hear from Sneha. Sneha, say hi. Your Notel colleagues may or may not all know you well. So give us your greeting. Yeah. So I am a data engineer. This is Sneha Harchwani. I'm a data engineer on the technology team. And I have been here for a year and a half. Lovely. Sophie. Uh, this is Sophie, part of the FPNA team. I've been here roughly a year, I would say. And you're not a data engineer? You're I am not a data engineer on the FPNA team. Hmm. Will Cheng. Hi, everyone. Uh, this is Will Pang here. Um, I lead the financial planning and analysis team here at Notel, and uh, I've been here for a little over 18 months. So that's what FPNA stands for, I guess, Will. Did you guys uh, do yeah, FPNA yeah. at the NBA as well? Did you have a scenario yeah. where there would be no basketball games for a year? Oh, absolutely. When I first joined, actually, it was the year of the lockout. And so uh, all of our time was dedicated to modeling how many games would make how much money. Wow, so they had a plan for that? Oh, they just had a little bit so behind in our own uh, planning, I think. Okay, Ian? Uh, hi, Ian Cohen, um, the FPNA team as well. Uh, been here for a little under a year and a half. Okay, you make it sound very serious. <laughs> and the man known as PL Smooth when he's in the nightclubs of San Francisco. Uh, I'm Patrick Leiser. I'm on the technology team uh, with data, formerly data ops, and then formerly 42 floors uh, came over almost two years ago. And you're the only one in San Francisco, right? Of this group of five stars. Yep. And then, yeah, we're also missing uh, uh, star player Don Kim on the uh, oh, yeah. team. Yeah, someone's going to have to give the Don perspective on here. And then is Charlie Donner part of the outfit, or Charlie is an input giver in a different way? Uh, I think I think there's actually more people that are part of the outfit, and they don't even realize they're part of the outfit. Um, oh, interesting. Okay, well, we're going to get to that. Um, let's start maybe, Patrick. Talk to me, Data Dream Team. Uh, what the title, where did it come from? What's the deal? When did it start? What are we even talking about? Um, well, being in San Francisco and having to convince people in New York, I try to give my meeting titles uh, funny titles or funny <laughs> agendas so that people might actually show up. And so we got an ask uh, to kind of trickle down, like, is there a way to automate the board deck? Um, and I knew, you know, some of the smart people that I needed to help and who had probably already done a bunch of the work that was needed. Um, and so I threw something on the calendar for Data Dream Team, and that's where that's where the name came from. Was a funny calendar invite, which I think also included a recipe swap. Uh, so something trickles down. It sounds important. 
automated board deck that must be very high up that that originated maybe you even know the guy who <laughs> casually mentioned this absurd request yeah i mean is that literally the start and you decide to form a team on it that i mean that's literally the start of the name the data dream team but i think it's it's a little bit of the tip of the iceberg of that there's there's all these folks across Notel that either contribute to data or contribute to data structures or are doing reporting or you know typing things into the blanks on the on the fields of the app and it's all kind of contributing so you know either setting up those systems to all be able to pull and to a board deck because the board deck is the culmination of you know the company over the last couple months right um, so you, to be able to see all that stuff in real time means that all this work had to be done below the water uh, to make the, the tip of the iceberg actually be able to float. So why don't you tell me, uh, or let's see, who should, why don't you tell me who should tell us more about who got invited to that first silly meeting that you decided to call? Uh, Ian or Sneha, you guys want to, you guys want to talk? Sure. I'm happy to jump in. Um, yeah, I think that the uh, iceberg metaphor is probably a, a good one that we might end up coming back to uh, quite a bit. So the board deck obviously requires pulling in a lot of information from a lot of different pieces across the organization, whether that's the inventory of our actual office space uh, or the the sales that have been generated against it or the financials that the combination of those two ends up produce and uh, lots of different pieces and work streams had been underway. Um, Sneha and myself had worked quite a bit on the financial side. Uh, Patrick was working on, on developing this thing called Mainframe, which is basically like the supercomputer that, that runs the, the Notel supply and demand uh, structures. And then obviously we, we track all of our stuff through Salesforce as well. Um, everybody on this call, uh, adding Don in there and, and Charlie Donner as well, I think have contributed to making sure that all of those systems were up and running and reliable enough that we could then uh, start producing analytics. Um, and in order to get these individual things up and running, we all had to rely on each other before we even knew that we were a data dream team. So I had worked with Charlie, I had worked with Patrick, I had worked with Don, and I think everyone could say vice versa across each on our own little work streams that have then kind of culminated into when an ask came down from the top of like, we need this board deck and we need it automated and we need it now. It didn't actually take much more than like, okay, guys, let's all put our head together toward this one thing because we all knew our piece so well that we could come together and produce something pretty fantastic. Hmm. So Sneha, tell me about that first meeting. So you joined the meeting, what recipe did you bring? <laughs> and talk to me a little bit about the, the meeting overall. Like how does the thing that's gonna be great, how does it start? So as they mentioned, like uh, we had done a lot of work already. It was a matter of putting all the pieces together and uh, working with um, Don or Sophie or Ian to understand like how to organize this board deck in a more more in a real time fashion. So we knew that we have done the work 
it's it was more about putting all the pieces of the puzzle together i would say and we that's all i would say well you didn't tell me your recipe and you didn't tell me how the <laughs> meeting actually went so maybe sophie will help us remember that yeah um, yeah sure um so in the first meeting i think it was just sort of almost a bit of information sharing since um, me and Don has been mostly working on the operating metrics side of things and Ian Sneha had been working more on the financials. So we were a bit of just sharing what each other's progress were in general and then diving a little bit deeper into how we would approach automating the board deck. But also an interesting note on the board deck piece, uh, when I was working with Don before, when we had just pushed out like the master KPI dashboards, we had actually thought that the board deck or automating the board deck would be like next steps pretty much. So we were a little bit prepared ahead of that meeting, as in like I had sort of shown him, you know, what the rough structure would look like. And so we could have a little bit of time to get used to what we would essentially be automating next. So I thought that was a little bit interesting. Uh, this sounds like a suspicion high-functioning operation from the very first minute of the very first meeting and yet I still don't get a recipe I've asked now three times will can you tell me what really happened well I wasn't even in the first meeting um, my I think what you're hearing from the team and I think this is actually how it went down was by the time the quote-unquote first formal meeting went down it was like Oh, okay. So let's just discuss all the meetings that have happened before this and what progress we've made there. Um, because that meeting was really sort of, it, it, it didn't seem like a kickoff in the way that other kickoff meetings were like, what are we trying to do? And let's take a look through these slides and what next and you do this and you do that. It was more so a, you know, let's put together what we already have because that's 90% of the work. Hmm. So you were yeah. in a fortunate position that the team had some momentum, yeah? Continue. Was that Patrick? Oh, absolutely. Well, and I think also it's it's not so much like uh, Will Will and Ian, uh, Ian said it. Well, it's like it wasn't this formal kickoff. We weren't shaking hands and saying, "Hmm, I'm gonna have to figure out how to work with these people." Uh, we had all, you know, individually or a couple of us had done big projects before. Um, you know, switching FPNA off of an Airtable and into an actual like pulling from a database being able to do all that QA like last minute, you know, and all we've just gone through so many uh, uh, big projects under fire, putting fires out together that we're, we're kind of maybe a little bit more of a battle hardened team than the first kickoff and having to like learn each other and learn each other's style. Right. I, I will say, I think Patrick does this really good job. He, he uh, every time he wants to actually organize a meeting like this, he actually says, hey, uh, let's hang out together which I always think is a funny way to to say like let's actually do some work but it's it's really informal and sort of uh you know let's just have thoughts floating out there rather than a very formal we're going to put it together an agenda and someone's going to stand at a whiteboard and, and number things off it always sort of ends there uh but it never starts there hmm, that's interesting so it's like a calibration right so you're calling folks together to see where they're at you had the happy surprise that people were in a really good spot and pointed in the right direction they had a lot of shared experience but also knowledge of what had been done and where it had to go next lucky for you uh yeah. what if that hadn't been in the case uh patrick you must have walked into meetings where you're trying to get started on something or you feel like something is needed what's a different way to 
get it started? I mean, I mean, honestly, this happened uh, a year ago. I think it was, uh, you know, Lisa and Eugene were asking. They wanted to know the the profitability of an individual space, like over its lifetime. Um, honestly, that's kind of kicked off like the next series of you know apps and like data things that we have from the tech side have done, where it's making sure that uh, Salesforce has the same IDs that Mainframe uses, and making sure that. Uh, you know, Sneha's brought in NetSuite data so that we can do like accurate uh, actual numbers and stuff. So it's if you, if the same ask had come a year ago, can you make the board deck dynamic? I don't know if I would have been able to say it's going to take a year. We probably would have moved a lot faster. But like, you know, it's it's been it's been running that direction for a long time now. Can I also ask a different question, um, particularly for for Sneha, Ian, and Sophie? Um, I've been in meetings before where I feel like when we ask you know, hey, share your progress on things, especially like in the very early stages, people seem very guarded about sharing, uh, you know, where they're at, uh, either because they don't think it's ready for showtime or, or whatever else. What made you guys sort of comfortable to say like, hey, I'm not 100% ready yet, but I'm gonna tell you what I do have and I'm gonna show you what it looks like. Um. I'll just kickstart uh, kick this piece. Um, I think it had a lot to do with the people who are in the room. So I think it would establish a sort of like comfort zone, I would say, so that we all felt a little bit more comfortable sharing our um, progress and not feel like we had to be highly scrutinized, I think. Mm -hmm. And also setting the bar that everything that we were sharing is a work in progress, right? It's not necessarily a finished product. And I think people weren't so um, concerned with the numbers as so much as setting up the right logic or the right structure so that mm. we are moving towards the end result without trying to, I guess, micromanage every step of the way. Right, right. Yeah, and over that, your- That bell, by the way, means that was a lovely answer. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. So I think I have also learned over years that every set of eyes judge the work differently. So mm. where we see perfection or I would see perfection, others might see a room for improvement. And that's where I feel like it's better to involve the stakeholders or the end users sooner than later, because if you don't involve them early on, uh, and you've built a product completely and it's not as per their expectations, then you're starting off from scratch. So I feel like uh, a work in progress is, um, it's always better to show a product that's work in progress and gain the feedback mm -hmm. sooner. So that's what I have learned over years. And that was my whole thought behind sharing progress as we were doing work. So the conviction coming in that sharing work in progress is okay. And I think Sophie's point was, and also like it wasn't a high stakes meeting, right? Like I think Jason and both Will have mentioned that they weren't in the meeting. Like the end user ultimately, like imagine if I had been in that meeting, like, come on guys, you have 30 days to do this thing. I assume the meeting would have gone a bit differently. Absolutely. I, I feel like I'm, I'm remembering a specific meeting and I, I don't want to name names, but I remember in the early days, days of, um, market match we had called together a lot of groups together to see where what people were working on and, and um there were some relatively senior folks and a lot of different people and absolutely nobody shared anything <laughs> and uh, i think it was specifically because uh, a lot of the things that we talked about here which is like 
you know, the, the comfort with the people that you're working with, like whether or not they were going to judge it, um, but also just feeling like uh, if you shared, everybody else was going to share. Nobody wanted to be, no one, no one wanted to sit in a meeting where they were presenting something for 60 minutes and having people scrutinize it and nobody else would share with it. Um, and, and I get the sense that this group works a lot differently. Yeah, there's like a safety vibe there. Um, right. but you think, had collected, yeah? I, I just want to jump in on that because I think that if we're saying that as a group, the ability to work without direct input from senior management on a recurring basis allowed us to work more freely and allowed us to actually be more productive. I don't know if we can take that as a blanket statement that that works in general, and it might actually be something about the people in the room that that allow it uh, to be the case. And I'm curious from the senior leadership in the room today, uh, Amal, Will, if you guys feel like there's anything that you've seen uh, about this group that might be different than other groups that you've tasked projects with that you feel might make this group that that approach of like give them an objective and let them kind of be hands off. You know, uh, Ian, if this is going to be you hunting for compliments the whole time, that was part of that was part of Will's thought on this, right? I mean, Will, like when he was giving me his his feeling, you led with this point, right? Well, I mean, talk to me. Yeah, um, my first and like I, I know there's a lot of different things that y you all pointed out, and and Jason has pointed out in the past about um, you know what the work product was and and who was involved. But I I think the biggest overarching thing is that the personalities in this group, and I, and I include Don and Charlie in there as well. Um, th there are no egos. There's a lot of team players. I, I call them Steve Nashes. I'm not sure if a team of all Steve Nashes would actually win uh, many games, but uh, it's it's people who are willing to be team players. Uh, nobody tried to lead, uh, nobody only settled with following. Um, and to me, that is the dynamic among uh, this group that works really well. No, nobody felt like they were judged um, or being you know, forced into things. Um, I really think that that's the biggest differentiator. Uh, talk to me about nobody tried to lead. Like, uh, how do you get stuff done? in a group with no hierarchy, no one in charge, no formal authority, and no one tries to lead? Do people on the team feel that there is no leadership at any point? I think that that might almost oversimplify a little bit in that we probably just took turns uh, in terms of who oh, yeah. was taking point on it. That it wasn't, like you still need someone to set an agenda and make sure, sure that you have meeting hygiene um, and that we're checking on each other's work and following up, et cetera. Um, so people would take point, but I feel like um, during those like final meetings that where everything kind of came together, there was like a rotation of like, who's gonna drive on what. Um, and then separately coming back to the point of like lots of different work streams that had been months in the pro making that allowed us to like be ready for this kind of an ask. Um, where those were actually smaller, discrete teams, where it was like teams of two, myself and Sneha, um, Charlie and Patrick and Sophie and Don. Maybe it wasn't always as neat as that, but it was smaller individual teams working on those long-term projects where when you have two, it kind of has to be like a partnership dynamic. And then when we finally all brought it together, it was like, we all were confident in the work that we had done and we're ready to mm -hmm. just kind of share it with the group collectively. But, but, but everyone else, please, you know, call me out if, if I'm 
my experience was different than yeah well let me investigate that a little bit so maybe sophie i'll ask you because this we're into team iq at this point actually and um we're doing tempo here right there's like some Mm -hmm. turn taking and passing of the baton and there's equal air time but some of the things you'd expect to see very specifically with, with that kind of process rhythm is there would have been a moment where there was a wacky idea that seemed wrong to everyone that did get serviced, even though it might not have been the kind of thing you would comfortably put in front of a more high stake setting, but if you're comfortable, you threw it out there. And I wonder if Sophie, you've got an example or a recollection of something like that, where you guys were going one way and someone's like, well, I don't know, like, what about this thing? Hmm, that's interesting, actually. I think that probably happened less in our larger meetings, the ones where we were all um, together and sharing the information between teams. I think that definitely happened a lot more in like the smaller group, like Ian mentioned, right? Like the duo groups of me and Don, um, Ian and Seha, Patrick and Charlie, right? In those smaller groups, I think we, I would say, um, floated ideas that were maybe a little bit more wacky so to speak, right? I would ask, for example, for some of the board metrics, right? We were trying to replicate some of it. Um, And when I was trying to put some of those ideas, you know, John would mention, you know, what is more higher lift and what is lower lift in terms of trying to replicate one-to-one. And he would sort of just coach me through um, what is p- more possible and what is less possible. So in terms of that, I think a lot of those like floating of ideas happen more in the smaller groups and less so in like the larger group settings because I think we were more conscious of time. And also like Ian said, there was like a rotating leadership, right? We didn't want the meeting to just run freely without any sort of agenda. So we wanted to ma- be conscious of that as well. Hmm, yeah. Well, there's another kind of dynamic, which is a really specific thing that ought to happen if some of these process things are true. Um, The heterogeneity of this group, some of you know the systems and the data really well, and Mm -hmm. some of you know your spreadsheets and financials really Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, not I don't want to be less than generous, but I suspect that the FP&A guys often knew virtually nothing about data. Like, why can't we just do this, like, you know, on an right, instant right. refresh or whatever? Oh, yeah. And yeah. Sometimes in a group of experts, that's considered, uh, like, not a good thing. But the Team IQ stuff says, when you have someone who doesn't know anything, it makes the team question its assumptions and explain things more clearly and find better answers. And I wonder if, um, Sneha, you had an experience like that. Yeah, so I would say I am an engineer and uh, I don't really have any finance background per se. And uh, so Ian, he had some working prototypes in Excel spreadsheets, which helped me understand what the financials are. And uh, from there, it helped me translate those business requirements into the technical requirements. It was very vague. I hope that helps answer that question. So, yeah. I think we did spend quite a bit of our time actually teaching each other, Sneha. Like, I remember when we first kind of kicked off the project, we sat there and, like, I was getting deep into, like, our the accounting ledger, like, classifications and stuff like that. But trying to, you know, just trying to, like, we had 
teaching sessions where you would explain to me the different types of uh, you know, integration softwares and the limitations of them where the sole purpose was just for us to get yeah. together. And like the next step along the way was for us to figure out how to get the integration going. And so you were going to take point on that conversation. Like I was just there, like you probably could have figured it out without me, but maybe by being a sounding board, it helped, you know, move things along in a slightly different direction and vice versa. As I was explaining the things that I cared about from a financial perspective, uh, explaining it to you allowed, uh, you know, just allowed it to us to get to the point quicker uh, or better or, uh, you know, more completely. Uh, talk to me about process hygiene, Patrick. Like, how often did you meet? The subgroups meet? Did you set yourself some timelines? How did you enforce each other's accountability? I mean, there at the end, it was a pretty quick, you know, timeline. I think we had a one kickoff and then a couple stand-ups um, before we kind of presented, and um, and then things kind of moved a little bit faster. When I think I think y'all uh, upstairs all realized how how fast we were moving, and so you know had the had the big show off last Friday. Um, I think I think also kind of going back to some of this, the team stuff, I think part of the reason that we as a group kind of get along is that we've all had very similar asks over the time that I know tell. There's like a funny one that, that I kind of like, which is uh, calculating vacancy. There was a time where different departments calculated vacancy differently at no tell. And like whether that was, you know, Don's department or my department or, Ian's department. It's it was just kind of funny and and kind of crazy that like we would go and make dashboards or reports, and then we'd pass them up our chains, and the management would have two different pieces of paper with two different numbers. When it's like, you know, the same reality, it's just defining it differently. So I, I think part of it is that we started to come together on those like definitions like earlier this year, um, just kind of out, out of through like necessity to like stay sane uh, as as data folks across the company. Mm -hmm. Um, Will, you yeah. had the theory that the people were very important. We've been hearing a little bit about their mindsets and the composition of the group. Uh, is it just because you're a bunch of like cut and dry finance engineering people that you're just like, okay, this is what we need to do. Let's just do it. Like what if you had a bunch of salespeople and marketers and whatever in the room? Uh, I, I mean, yes, there is definitely some component of it that like in the spectrum of like super emotional versus super logical people, like this is a group of very logical data-driven people. And so I, I definitely think that is a, a part of it, but I'm sure there are other spectrums that you can look at that I think are, are underappreciated here, like, uh, you know, in, in communication styles, like who's the, the team support style versus the take charge type A style. Um, I think we got a lot of team uh, communication styles. Uh, I also think you have people who who um, are quite humble and willing to trust others on on information. I'm surprised to hear Ian. Um, although I can imagine that there were a lot of like teach-in sessions, I did get the sense from a lot of the interactions that I witnessed that there was a lot of like, oh, I just trust this person on this. Like that's their domain. Um, I don't need to know it intimately, and and I, and I have uh, I have trust in them. Um, so I, I do think there's a component of that. Well, but how about the reverse? Because the way it gets expressed sometimes is the reverse. It's like, hey, wait a second. Why are you like questioning what I have to say on this? I'm the expert of XYZ. Yeah, that's a fair point. I, I mean, I don't know where the balancing act is. I, there's uh, something almost magical about where they found to balance it because I, I didn't see the 
hey, you shut up, I'm the finance expert, or you shut up, I know data, um, and, and, and you're going with me. Um, there was never that. I never saw that. Yeah, I mean, why not? Like, say hi. Don't you have limited time in the day? Exactly. Aren't you like shut up, Ian? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she didn't say that. <laughs> no, I think it was uh, fun learning from Ian or Sophie, like the finance side. And it was more engaged and involved group I, as a whole, I would say. Mm-hmm. It's the trust that we built over time, I think. It's the trust that we built over time. Do you guys feel like, um, just as people, as workers, professionals, that if someone kind of, as long as they came at it with a collaborative mindset, if they started to question things, that you would get offended or get frustrated that someone was, was questioning you? Because personally, I know that like I always enjoy taking the time to uh, to help others understand my side of uh, of things. I think Will can attest to my eagerness to do so. Yeah, we have a we have a thing since Forty Two Floors, uh, and we call it Strong Opinions uh, Weekly Held. And so mm-hmm. I, you just kind of saying that out loud, Ian, made me realize I think everyone in on this call and everyone that we've worked with on this stuff is definitely that type. And I think that's like kind of a natural thing of a data type person is I'm going to look at these numbers. I'm going to build them the best I can. I'm going to run them. I'm probably going to have to make some assumptions. Here they are. Um, you know, they're not probably perfect, but this is what I think. And then, and then you can talk about it and you have other people and you, you might argue and you might push back and forth, but you can then, like, hey, let's, if we readjust this assumption, it changes. Well, yeah, now my opinion is going to change on it. So it's a strong opinion, but it's weekly held. So I think we're all a little bit like that. I have seen the dynamic, though, on strong opinions weekly held when someone's not expecting such a strong opinion that defense comes up. Have you seen that in other teams when you're wandering around, slinging off your half-baked ideas that are yeah, weekly held? That's actually definitely true. It's something I've uh, personally been working on is not coming in as, as strong or as hot on the first take. Uh, so I, I hear that, that point. Um, what about the role of leaders? So apparently I did nothing. <laughs> I might have, I might have like muse that it'd be a nice idea if this damn board deck didn't take three months every time. And uh, that's it. That's not true, though, because you care. care. (laughs) Really? We're here here today all talking because you care about it. Like, you're taking time out of your Sunday. And I think that, the, you know, personally, at least, like, it's it's important to to know that the senior leadership that we're working hard to make, you know, trust their judgment, trust that they're the things, they're worrying about the things they need to be worried about. And if we can do our best to put the products in front of you to help you, and, you know, it feels good to know that you'll then appreciate them. So it, I think you're not doing yourself enough credit by saying that you didn't do anything. Uh, now you're just kissing ass so you get more <laughs> compliments, Ian. Yeah, exactly. It's all about compliments, ultimately. <laughs> Come on. A little give and take. But a, a <laughs> most point, I think, is a most point, and I think it's valid, is that uh, there was not like that, you know, one senior leader chasing you every other day with like a give me an update, uh, post things on this board. I mean, is that true or are we mis- misjudging that? I think that's partially true. Um, I would say there's a added stress when there is someone behind you sort of prodding for progress every couple of days. 
And sometimes you end up rushing towards products that you might not necessarily even think is like the best representation of your work, right? So in these like smaller groups, I think it was easier to move towards one goal that we knew um, was really important to all of us, right? Automating the board deck. But then it wasn't like exactly a thing of had to accomplish X by then this time or like Y by this time. It was way more organic, I think. Um, mm. towards achieving a certain goal. But at the same time, I think there's something to be said about um, intellectual curiosity of this group in that I think we've touched on this a little bit before that we've spent some time sharing information um, from FP, whether it's FP&A to the engineer side or engineer to FP&A side. But like this sharing information just helps us understand a little bit more of um, what is the capacity on each side, right? So if I'm going to approach a request, I can better understand how possible is this request? Like, am I being very unreasonable with my request or is it actually within the realm of possibility? Uh, you may or may not have seen Will doing something on your behalf. And it also speaks to what you were doing, but what Will was doing was showing your crappy in progress results to me. <laughs> Which means you were showing your crappy in progress results to him. You weren't just saying, hey, we got this. Uh, you know, our milestone is March 30th. Please go away. You're distracting the team. You were spewing out some data exhaust, so to speak, as you moved. And Will showed it to top management a couple times. So like in January, there were some screenshots. In February, we actually looked at the live materials. We knew it wasn't all right. There were some people in the room for that, those sessions that were like, what, why is this so incomplete? This is totally wrong. I mean, you remember those conversations, right, Will? But he put it in front of people and he actually took the arrows on the incompleteness in those discussions, showing your work. Yeah, Will, did you take arrows or was it like, fine? You're like, all right, I know, we're working on that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's fair. I think you you always have to expect some errors on it. I think there are some personalities that are always like, well, what about this and what about that? And here's what we can do next. Um, and I've always, I'm I'm a little bit of the position that's like, well, obviously there are more things to do. It's it's never going to be 100%. And so I'd rather show it at 50, 60, 70, 80% than, than at 99% and people complain about the last 1% anyway. Um, and so that that's my mentality, at least on it. Did you guys see Will doing that? Did you see uh, asks from Will that felt like he was pulling from you progress, even if he wasn't putting pressure on you for it? Yeah, um, he had requested a couple screenshots in the earlier stages. And I think part of that was also um, when I was working with Don, sort of getting him comfortable with the fact that we are releasing a work in progress screenshot of something that is maybe at 80% or 85% and not at the 95% that I think he is more used to. But I think just getting people more comfortable with sharing progress rather than a completed product is probably really important too. Let's explore a little bit more uh, the role of other teams and other settings. And Will, you had a few other ideas about things that this team did really well. I'm sure we've at this point covered a bunch of them. Is there another one you want to surface and then we can try to compare and contrast to experiences we've had in, in different groups? Uh, I, I guess uh, I wanted to hear you guys talk a little bit about, uh, there was one and it, it's sort of the, the opposite 
um, of the cheery, trustful op uh, side of it. It's um, do you guys think that there was a uh, shared um, sort of eye rolling and uh, we get that this is challenging and we get we're in the trenches and these other people don't understand how challenging it is and, and therefore some teamwork built from that. Um, Patrick mentioned we'd all gotten requests like this before. Uh, and I think embedded in that is that we know how difficult it is and we know how little people, other people know about how difficult it is. Is there some something to be said about um, sharing that uh, glib world of, of us versus them? I think we always, at least from, I know I do, I always try and create a little bit of a us versus them team cohesion, mm -hmm. uh, whether it happens naturally or just uh, kind of a habit of mine at this point. Mm -hmm. um, just because it, you know, it takes a lot of stamina sometimes to take some of those larger projects through to the finish line. And it's, you know, some, it has certain swings of momentum and then slow down and then other people frustrated and, you know, it's not like a straight path to the finish line. So, mm. um, yeah, definitely a lot of kind of team bonding, team building. Sneha and I, for example, have a, a dinner reservation for us to celebrate, you know, kind of launching a large piece of this project that was like a six month undertaking uh, mm. all in. You know, so and we had said that we were going to have that kind of a celebration pretty early on in the process. Huh, but you didn't do like a big team dinner, go out all night thing early in the flow. No, there are some who think that that's like the core to getting calibrated. Hmm. Personally, that's not for me, uh, not my style at yeah. least. But you know, I, I, that's I not to say that it's not. I bet if you ask most of the people on this team, they're they're the I'm going to put my head down and and work. I'm going to let my work do the talking type rather than the uh, let's start let's start team bonding and celebrating early. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's a certain like there's something on the personal report dimension that you you can do when you do that, but you probably don't end up surfacing and working through the issues you're going to run into when you're just purely hanging out as opposed to a. <laughs> yeah. Lizer, Lizer hangout. <laughs> uh, no, no um, recipes were swapped in case anyone was anyone was wondering. Yes, that's what I. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been wondering. <laughs> I am continuing to wonder. So you you never end up with like a team charter, like a here's how we do kind of statement through this process. Um, talking about it now, like some elements of it are quite vivid. If you had to onboard like five new people to this team uh, from different wild and woolly departments. Uh, what do you think would be like an important thing for that list? And I guess I'll just ask each of you one by one and maybe uh, Lizer, you can do first. I, um, I think we will have more people be like touched by this team or either be a part of this team or have access to this team. I think, uh, I don't think there really needs to be so much of a charter or whatever, but like we all kind of like lead by example. Um, and so if someone kind of fits in and fits into our example, I think they'll they'll understand quickly just by seeing how we work uh, together as a group. Okay, role model, your best behaviors. Uh, Ian? Uh, I agree with 
Patrick, that I feel like uh, if we were to sit someone down and be like, here's our formal approach, please, you know, adapt, uh, you know, for your best interest. That's probably not our style. Uh, but that being said, I do think that we all seem to be like adults about the process and that, you know, we were able to operate independently and without lots of intense check-ins and, and guidelines because our leadership trusted that we were going to take the project seriously. Um, but that doesn't mean that we take ourselves too seriously. Okay. What do you got, Will? Uh, I think if... And Will, you uh, can't just plus one these guys because uh, it's also possible <laughs> that you get someone joining the team or a bunch like five that are irascible and a little oh, tricky and they're kind of ignoring the perhaps rather subtle uh, role modeling that you're doing when you walk in. So like what's a move or a onboarding step you think would be good to add to what we've already been laying out? Uh, it's funny. I, I, I think it would be against the nature of this team to actually tell someone how to interact with this team. Uh, and so it's, it's almost like someone else has to do it for them. Uh, if, if it were me, if, someone were joining this team or, or working with this team, I would say my number one piece of advice would be to uh, chill the hell out because uh, if I think the worst kind of energy that could be brought to this team is a frantic, I need to show my leader something and uh, mm. everything has to be 100% right. Um, and mm -hmm. I think it, that is probably the most toxic kind of personality to, to, to join a team like this. If, if, if you're, we're much better off with a, passive non-contributor than an active uh contributor um if it's the wrong type of uh vibe that okay so then maybe that's a affirmative criterion it's like an eligibility criterion for yeah, who you exactly. induct in yeah exactly we're, we're gonna have to take someone's heart rate <laughs> <laughs> they gotta be You're cool not like ice water yeah, I 100% agree with what Will said. I think it's not so much about establishing a criteria, a strict criteria versus just sort of just understanding the type of personalities that work best within this group. And yeah, like the very type A types, I would say, probably wouldn't work super well with this group, I would say. I think there's something, again, to be said about just overall having this very collaborative nature that is very organic and just having this very natural sense of um, intellectual curiosity versus just churning out product one by one. What do you think, Sneha? Let's say uh, I send five people over and now things are going real bad and you actually need to work with them because they're from some department we're trying to get the dream team to deliver for. Yeah. And it's going to be hard to like say go away. It's going to be hard to say be quiet. Like what's the move? So I would try to work with them, have them be more engaged and involved in the group and uh, understand what their concerns have been so that we could address those if they're not really participating. Well, you got your sub team move as well, right? That seems like a key mechanic in how you guys were making progress and teaching each other as well. Yeah. Uh, the team like the team right now is in a good place. They would still continue to work 
it's adding more people that should not affect the current team dynamics i think also amal we don't it's less of like here let's throw some people on this it's like there's there's actually kind of like a little bit of already a path out there to join this team like sneha has great resources on looker and data dictionaries and like we are all a pretty project based group and it's easier to be when the when team's organic and kind of ethereal or whatever whatever we are it's easier to have something to rally around and have project focused rather than let's report our kpis it's we're doing this board deck we're doing this report this is what i'm trying to accomplish and so it's it's don't just like explain the entire data to me so, so i can be onboarded it's like i have this problem i'm trying to solve this in the new york market i'm trying to do this for europe then let's like we work together and kind of we're all involved in it and and people can become from a stakeholder in that situation to a part of the team as they can uh, become self-sufficient with data. I think our discussion here has been really interesting and valuable. Uh, how do people sign up to get on board? What are some problems you can solve that you haven't yet been issued? Will, what do you think? Are you waiting for an email from some department where you'll be jumping up and down because all of a sudden our data is going to get more powerful? Uh, I definitely see that as a possibility. Uh, people seeing what this group can do and what the data can do, uh, people will sort of sign up for for more, and they'll naturally offer resources to to do that. And um, this team will sort of grow, and maybe some people will be more involved than others on the next project. But uh, yeah, definitely. I, I mean, there's tons of work to be done, and uh, there are more people like these people here. Uh, in the organization. I, I can already sort of picture them in my mind. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think you'll see more from this team. I'm expecting a lot. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Uh, this has been really fun. I think it might be our best episode of Hello, Hello, Yes. Wow, nice. <laughs> Congratulations. We'll see what the, what the ratings show. <laughs> the data will tell us. Yes. <laughs> yes, we'll need to get like logged in listeners so we know exactly who we influence and how behavior changes around the group. But thanks, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you. you.